Welcome to the Remote CEO Show. My name is De Niro Bartolini, AKA De Niro B. I'm an acclaimed business coach and my moonshot is to change the face of work and business forever. With each episode, we bring you some of the most inspiring and insightful interviews with six, seven, eight, and nine figure entrepreneurs to crack the code on how to build your remote empire and have fun while doing it. Thanks for stopping by and let's get started. What is going on, CEOs? De Niro B here with another episode of the Remote CEO Show. Today, I'm here with Ember Wynn. Ember is a philanthropist. She fuses the heart and passion of philanthropy with proven business practices to create long-term funding, impact, and sustainability for nonprofit founders and executive directors. Through technical assistance, capacity building, and strategic development, Ember provides nonprofit leaders with a clear roadmap from bringing their mission to fruition. Super excited for this chat, so let's get right into it. Ember, welcome to the Remote CEO Show. How are you doing today? I am doing fantastic. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Now, I ask every single one of my guests to tell us what they were doing before. So what's your story? What were you doing before you became an entrepreneur? You know, I was dibbling and dabbling. Mostly I was in corporate America where I was unsatisfied and not happy. Prior to corporate America, I dibbled and dabbled in the nonprofit sector. So before I made that transition into being a solopreneur, um, you know, I was affecting lives and making change for other people. So my transition really came for making a change for me. Okay. That's awesome. That's awesome. And so what made you become one? What was that moment that you said, you know what? I don't want to work for someone else anymore. I want to start building something for myself. You know, I found myself in this, um, this pattern, right? Where I wanted the company to be the best that it could be. And I kept finding myself with um, supervisors who for some reason wouldn't embrace the fact that I just wanted to improve the company. For some reason, they would be like, you know, just just think smaller, Amber. Just just do things smaller. And I'm just not a small type of person. So in this last in this last um, experience, I'm going to call it. I said, you know what? If you don't want me, and if you don't want to make this company bigger, better, so that it could help more people, I'm done. And for me, that was it. It was like I've had people in my space who are entrepreneurs say to me. Amber, your problem is not the the company that you work for. The problem is that you were meant to run your own company. And because I was a single mom and I had responsibilities, I was afraid to make that leap. But once my kids grew up and I was like, you know what, Amber, let's try it. Let's do it. And so I just stepped out in faith and I did it. That's a fantastic story. It really resonates with with me and a lot of other entrepreneurs that I had on the show. The fact that uh, when you're working for someone else, and you're trying to polish the systems and make things work faster or better, there's always going to be a ceiling to how much control you can have over those processes, unless you are already the owner, at which point you're already the owner. So that's right. not, not yeah, this, well, the sky's the limit when you're the owner, but working yeah, for somebody else, it's like, well, this isn't quite right, but this is the way we do it, Amber. I always got that. This is the way it's done. Well, it doesn't have to be done that way, does it? 
Yes, 100%. And so Amber starts her own business. Can you take us back to those days? What were, if you can give me a couple of, of points where you were like freaking out, you're like, oh my gosh, I did not expect this. And maybe a, maybe one or two positive things that you were like, you know what, I feel like this is going to be good for me moving forward. Well, I sort of did mine on the side. Um, I'm a philanthropist. I fuse the best of philanthropy and proven business practices to support the most amazing people in the world, which are nonprofit founders and executive directors. And so um, because I was such a good grant writer, people would come to me all the time. But what I learned in grant writing is that the nonprofits didn't have an infrastructure, right? So um, I think it wasn't really until the pandemic hit that I was like, I, I, I got to do this full time. Yeah. Right. Because a lot of the nonprofits didn't qualify for the federal assistance because their infrastructure just wasn't tight. So for me, I think it was like um, uh, really for me figuring out my infrastructure so that I could support my tribe, which were the, the nonprofit leaders. And during the pandemic, I was kind of just like trying to figure it out. I was working 14 hour days, seven days a week. And it helped me to shift my business model, which is really what you're talking about. Um, I knew I didn't want to build a company, traditional company, where I have to be responsible for positions. And so I started looking into how can I build out a team without building a team, you know, mm -hmm. and getting support like from, you know, a virtual assistant and my project managers in the Philippines. And so really looking at non-traditional ways to build out my business that happened as a result of the pandemic. That's fantastic. So let's actually go inside your structure for the business. It seems it's pretty lean, but it's working very well for you. Yeah. So you said you have an assistant and then some operations managers that you work with? Yeah, I have one project manager. Um, she's she's in the Philippines. Amazing, Noemi. And then I have um, a tech person because I suck at technology. <laughs> <laughs> so she builds out my funnels. She builds out my website. Um, right now I'm getting ready to transition. This is what the pandemic gave me. I'm getting ready to transition from doing like this consulting one-on-one -on -one where I swap my hours for my dollars mm -hmm. to building an online course, right? So um, I'm in the process of building that out um, for launch in uh, 2023. All right, we're gonna talk about that at, towards the end of the, uh, uh -huh. of the recording today. But right now, I definitely want to ask you a couple of tips that you can share with our audience regarding how to manage uh, individuals that uh, work for you. Do you guys have daily meetings or yes. you have a Slack channel? Can you right. take this in the back end of your business that way? Right. So, so two things. Number one, I'm type A, which mm -hmm. is not great for my testing, <laughs> but it's great for the business, right? Yeah. <laughs> so we meet once a week. Um, very efficient meetings. I don't like, because of corporate, I don't like just having meetings for, for no reason. So there's agenda. Um, and when I brought them on board, here's the thing that I tell my nonprofits, because I tell my nonprofits to do the same thing. Nonprofits want to get a grant and then build out a staff. And I'm like, no, if you can hire a remote person, get that remote person, have them do task-based projects, yes. right? That way you save your budget and you save time. So for me, my hourly rate is $250 an hour, right? Mm -hmm. But if I can if I can farm that out to somebody else where their rate is only $25 an hour, then I'm saving money and I'm saving time. Mm -hmm. So that's what I focus on. How can I be most efficient and save the most money? Because with the type of thing that I'm trying to build out, it's going to require funds. So back to your question, we meet once a week. I have um, 
the tasks already assigned. Um, I have deadlines. And for people who are working remote, it's important that you start off with expectations that you give them time. My nonprofits are like, oh, I had this virtual assistant and she didn't work out. I'm like, well, how long did you work with her? Did you give her an assignment and then meet back with her and, and go over it and whatever was wrong? You say, well, this is how I prefer you do it. No, they just handed it off like she was just supposed to know that. You wouldn't do that for a person who worked in person. Mm. So I always advise my nonprofits, give them 20 hours, you know, like work, meet, work. Don't yeah. give, don't let the time in between be so long, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that that's very important. You, you. I just want to touch upon a few things that you brought up. The first thing is the flexibility of having task-based workers instead of having full contract, full-time or part-time, especially mm -hmm. when you're starting out and especially in the world of nonprofit is important because like you said, the flexibility and you'd be able to, to, to stretch the budget a lot more that yeah. way. Yeah. And the second thing that really, you know, stood out to me is the fact that you have uh, meetings just once a week, but during the week, this is my question I was going to ask, uh, do you have a way to, or like, how do you keep in touch and make sure that everything runs smoothly? Do you have uh, boards that you go to like Trello? Trello. Yeah, Trello? we use Trello. Yeah, I love Trello. <laughs> slide 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 yeah <laughs> yes 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 100 okay so another question that i had was regarding marketing i, I you, you brought up the fact that you uh, that you have someone building funnels for you so i was wondering what type of sales um process do you go through and, and what's really like your 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 pipeline from uh, left to right so to speak from hello to to let's work together how does it go right so I um, I have a podcast on air with Amber Wynn, Philanthropreneur. And so I started off blogging, but um, it, oddly enough, I'm an English major, but like I couldn't get enough words into the blog, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I found that it was better to do the podcast. People could see my personality and then I wasn't stifled. So um, podcasting just for visibility, right? And then on my website, I have a lead magnet, which is my bundle of free resources. It's 10 eBooks with amazing information for uh, nonprofits at different stages of, of their development. So the lead magnet, then they go into that and then I start the the warm warm-up sequence, right? So it's 20 days of um, just really short, quick wins, let them get to know me, get some value, and then after that, we're going to go into the free masterclass where then I pitch my course. That's awesome. That's awesome. And um, another question, I want to switch gears for a second. Sure. What do you do with, with your clients? And I want to, because I know for a fact that I have some nonprofits listening to our podcast as well. Mm -hmm. And so if you were to analyze, so to speak, the average client, what do you think they struggle with the most? It, you know, you, you kind of mentioned a bit structure at the beginning, but can we dig a bit deeper into why, in this case, um, nonprofits may have this problem more than for-profit organizations? Absolutely. Because in a for-profit, the first thing that a funder wants you to do is to do, um, you know, competitor analysis, where when people start nonprofits, they start with heart and passion and they just start. They ask three people to be on their board. They go to LegalZoom and they form their corporation. And so the, the research isn't done. So mm -hmm. they start it in the middle instead of the beginning. And this is the reason why I transitioned from writing grants to helping nonprofits build their infrastructure. Most people, and I'm saying 99%, 
start their nonprofits. And as soon as they get their 501c3 tax exempt status, they say, how do I get grants? And the reality is they're not ready for grants. They don't qualify. They're eligible, but they don't qualify. So the reason why most nonprofits struggle is because they don't have what it takes to receive funds. They don't have systems in place. So you can't give the funder um, a balance sheet. Why? Because you don't have your, your bank account set up. You don't have your accounting mm -hmm. system set up, right? Um, they don't have measurable goals and objectives. They expect these funders to give them $250,000, but they can't tell a funder who, by the way, is typically going to be a business person, what their ROI is. So I help them build out the infrastructure so that they're funder ready. All right. You said something that really stood out to me right now. You said they sorry, they are eligible. Uh-huh. They're eligible, but they don't qualify. So they're eligible. People, yeah, because I feel like that's the first thing that someone that doesn't really have experience in this field would think, hey, I'm eligible, which means I'll probably get it. But there's a big difference between being eligible for something and actually qualifying because I mean, pretty much anybody that as a nonprofit could probably, you know, be eligible for it, but they, Correct. they would need, like you said, the structure and, and everything else to, to, um, to qualify. So when it comes to grant writing, how much, how important is grant writing, uh, compared to actually like the infrastructure and everything else? Is it 50, 50, uh, or is grant writing just like the cherry on top, so to speak, after everything is built? So, um, Every nonprofit should have 10 streams of revenue. Grants should only make up at maximum 35% of an organization's revenue stream. This was not more apparent than during the pandemic. So people who were doing golf tournaments and galas and walks could not raise funds during the pandemic. So if you only have those three streams of revenue, guess what? They were shut down. But if you have 10 streams of revenue, meaning you have contracts and you have passive income and you have naming opportunities and corporate sponsorships, there's a ton of ways that you can generate revenue. If you have a variety, just like any business, just like your home, you want to diversify your funding streams so that when one or two of your funding streams dry up, you can still hit the ground, right? So I would say grant writing is probably the least thing that you want to focus on. Research shows that the biggest pot of giving comes from individuals. That's that's 29% of your of, of money that's going into nonprofits come from individuals, whereas 7% only comes from grants, you know, and foundations. So the money is with individuals. So you want to create a marketing strategy where you are actually identifying who your who your target audience is and then really just engaging and creating relationships with individuals that again another great golden nugget you brought up right now the fact that a lot of people i always hear i actually worked a nonprofit for a couple of years before i opened my business in canada and toronto and and uh, i always used to hear grant writing grant writing but I also realized that, yes, we had like banks sponsoring us. We had mm -hmm. events where people came in and bought different yep. things. And and it was ongoing, ongoing. This, this nonprofit's been around for 30 years. So they also pretty much know what they're doing. And exactly. it, realized that it's so much more complex than, 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 than I thought initially. So well, people Heather, think it's an easy way to not deal with yeah. the reality. But a nonprofit is a business, De Niro. It's just a business with an altruistic you know, purpose. Yes. A hundred percent. And so, Amber, my question for you right now is, you know, is there anything that you are working on that you may be launching in the near future that you're excited about and that you want to share with our audience? 
Yes. Um, like I said, the pandemic almost took me out. <laughs> so I had to shift my business structure. I want to be able to provide more resources to more people. And what I did also learn during the pandemic is that, you know, consulting doesn't give me the reach that I need. So I will be transitioning um, at the beginning of the year in 2023 mm -hmm. to an online course. Um, and it's called um, 90 Days to a Profitable Nonprofit. And in 90 days, I will walk individuals through completely how to start, run, fund, and sustain their nonprofit organizations. Now, out on the internet is a ton of free information, but it's so confusing and you don't know which comes first and what to do. And I walk um, everyone through that from the beginning to the end. And I haven't been an executive director, a grant writer, and a funder. I use all of those 30 years of experience and I give all of those different perspectives to help my clients be successful in starting and funding and sustaining a nonprofit. That is fantastic. And I'm really looking forward to seeing this course going out and possibly having you back on the show to talk about how things are going with that as well. I know. Oh, I'd love that. Yeah. And I know that uh, detaching yourself from from uh, trading time for money is one of the you know most important things as an entrepreneur that you want to do right that that yes that absolutely yeah so Amber I'm sure that my listeners want to know more about you about your business and about your new projects that are coming up so where can people find you online well, I first want listeners to go to my website because I have a ton of free resources. When you're just starting a nonprofit, you know, money's tight. So I do my best to um, provide nonprofits with free resources. That's www.amberwin.net and that's win, W-Y-N-N. But I'm also on Facebook and Instagram um, and Twitter and it's Amber Win Philanthropreneur. Perfect. Amber, again, I am very happy you're able to make it to our show today. And I'm looking forward to having you back in the future. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of the day and we'll talk soon. Thank you so much for having me. And this is it for today, CEOs. Thanks for staying with us until the end. Can I ask you a big favor? Can you please leave a review? I know the podcast app is not super straightforward. So if you don't know how to leave a review, just DM me on Instagram at B. D-E-N-I-E-R-O-B and I will send you the direct link to the review section and to show you my appreciation, I will answer any business question you ask me during that conversation. So thank you again and I will talk to you again soon.